Welcome to the third season of Don't Come Here, Stories of the Treasure Coast. I'm your host, Anthony Westbury, and we're going to be talking about some of the th things you just shouldn't miss if you come to the Treasure Coast. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to two experts on birding. So don't come to the Treasure Coast unless you like enjoying a birder's paradise or being surrounded by thousands of our feathered friends, because there's lots of them. Joining me today are two guests, uh, Eva Reese from St. Lucie County and Ashley Lingwood from Indian River. Welcome, ladies. Good morning. Good morning. Tell us a little bit about yourselves, Eva, uh, yourself. Uh, I am a past president of the St. Lucie Audubon Society, and I have also served on the board of Audubon of Martin County. Mm -hmm. And I love birding. I do environmental resources um, education with St. Lucie County Environmental Resources Department. So I have an opportunity there to teach and show other people birding and birding areas. Right. Mm. Really enjoy that and have a, a great opportunity that way. A lot of people interested? There is a growing number of people and mm. people of different ages as well, which is right. interesting to, to note. I, I mean, I have this image of little old ladies with binoculars. It's not that. It's there not are, true. No, no. There's more people and more younger people who are coming out. We did a program on the um, what essentially mirrors the Christmas bird count that the National Audubon Society does right. every December and early January. And we did a mini program on one of St. Lucie County uh, preserve sites. And there were younger people there who were interested in learning how to do the counting techniques. So it is changing. All right. Uh, Ashley, tell us a little bit about yourself and how long you've been doing this. Yes, I'm a wildlife biologist. I um, work for Indian River County Conservation Lands Program. I manage all the con 26 conservation areas across the county from the Sebastian River all the way to the St. Lucie oh, <laughs> Indian River County line. Mm -hmm. uh, we have quite a few, I think it's 17 that are on the lagoon and then others that are inland. Um, I've been a biologist for about 14 years now. Uh, I did the beginning of my career down in the Florida Everglades mm. uh, out on airboats, which was amazing. And I got to see lots of wading bird rookeries, the ones that yeah. you read about in books where there's birds that just cover all the canopies of the trees. Um, and then up here, we do have a couple rookeries, but mostly I get to focus on Florida scrub jays, mm -hmm. which uh, are my absolute favorite. Uh, they're very charismatic. Why is that? Why, uh, why are your favorites? Because they... Uh, are incredibly friendly. They're probably mm. the friendliest bird that you come across. Mm. They uh, are always very charismatic and the family dynamics between the different territories, you can just watch it. It's almost like a show. They squawk <laughs> at each other. <laughs> they build family units. That's really impressive. So we monitor those. And then we also have um, a number of different wading birds. And I'm finally getting to get better at my identification of the little tiny songbirds that you see flickering through the trees mm -hmm. so in the coastal hammocks you hear about them man just can't see them yeah, yeah you can't see them it's only mm -hmm. a little flicker and then i go out with birders who are incredibly experienced and they're like oh that's a yellow this warbler and you see that band that's across its face and i'm like oh my gosh i don't see anything i don't know how they see <laughs> this but they do but i'm getting better You're getting every better. time good mm -hmm. good um eva Mm -hmm. Do you take out groups of birders? What's how organized is it, or just people just show up? Or no. how does it work? <clears throat> 
for the St. Lucie County Environmental Resources Department, there is something called the Guided Nature Program, and it is conducted by credentialed, natu skilled naturalists. And we develop a program, schedule it, and then we open it to the public and the public registers, and then they come out and we conduct the program for them. Mm -hmm. So we get a variety of different programmings, but much of the programs happen to be about birds. And that's one of my specialty areas. We in St. Lucie County also have Florida scrub jay. Uh, the county is doing a restoration project to try to mm -hmm. restore some of the habitat to keep the populations intact. Right. And so <clears throat> there are public lands uh, in St. Lucie County where people can actually still see Florida scrub jay. The populations are smaller, but they're still there. What are, what are the threats to the population? <clears throat> the primary threats to Florida scrub jay is habitat loss. Right. But also there is a problem with people who are, um, how should I say, baiting or luring the birds to come closer with food or with sounds. Hmm. And that's expressly... Just um, to see them, not for any other reason? To photograph them primarily okay, yeah. and to see them closer. And that's unfortunately habituating the birds, which means that they're answering cues such as food or other things, mm. and they're coming too close to humans. They are naturally gregarious, and they will come to the edges and observe you, but if they're flying at you or to land near you, that, that's unfortunately a problem. So the habitat loss is a big one, but that can also inf impact their behavior. Okay. Are we on any sort of flyway or migratory uh, pattern here? Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of birds that just spend the winter down here. They mm -hmm. migrate from up north, and they might stop over here on their way to South America, or they might spend the winter here as well. It all depends on food sources and resources and climate right. and wind patterns. Mm -hmm. But we do have a lot more birds in the wintertime than in the summertime for the most oh, okay. part. Yeah, it's too hot in the summer. Yeah, nobody likes it here in the around. summer. Yeah. <laughs> there are there are birds that our folks who are our wintertime visitors will see during their summertime up north where they live. Yeah, and mm -hmm. one of them is the um, ruby-throated hummingbird. Mm. So they don't expect to see them that species here when they're here visiting us in December, January, and yet that bird is definitely yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Okay. You hear constantly how birds with every other natural animal as the climate changes they're adjusting their seasonal patterns you've heard stories about how now they're seeing mm -hmm. birds yeah. two months or three months earlier than they have for mm -hmm. years and their wintering patterns so when you're monitoring birds and one of the big things that you're looking for is the trends like it's really important yeah. if you see this really rare cool bird mm -hmm. but in the big picture, it's more... It's the other four million. Yes, and yeah. it's important that you see that scrub jay or the cardinal or the blue jay or right. the birds that, that are here all the time. And, you know, you, you mark down where you see, I don't know, when the, th the hummingbird or different things. So, yes, there might be a flamingo, but in the base of looking at trends, it's not the, what's most important. Mm-hmm. No, but it is interesting when we, we saw a great crested flycatcher in February at a mitigation area, and it was we've never <clears throat> never had anything like that, that before. And it is a little bit early in the season, so it can be telling. When do they normally of, come? Usually not till April mm -hmm. or early May we see them in numbers, but this right. was in mid to late February, which was quite early. Was it a mild yeah, that year, the weather. And that, that this is what I was going to say. So yeah. temporary fluctuations in weather can impact that. But then there are right. the longer range trends that have to be taken into, into consideration. And actually, we may not really know for a while which it mm. is yeah. that impacts that. Yeah. What's the most unusual bird you've ever seen here? I have to give that a little bit of thought. I will tell you that on Saturday when we did the mini Christmas bird count, we did see a, a 
magnificent frigate bird 12 miles inland at that navigation area. Mm. And that's I very that unusual. on Sunday at North very, Sebastian. Yep, it's and there very was, unusual. It was over probably about five miles inland. Yep. Wow. And it was strange. And it was even foraging in a pond. Yes. And I'm like, what is this <laughs> it was frigate just confused. bird? Yeah, yeah, so this yeah. one was, was near a pond and a and then a wetland, a mitigation wetland, both freshwater bodies. And it was 12 miles inland into that's St. Lucie really County. And I, and I pointed this out to our group. And of course, Ed Bowes, who is the, the chapter's um, citizen science chair, who was co-hosting mm-hmm. with us, he stopped and looked and he was telling them as well, this is extremely rare, take note, because this is not normal, mm-hmm. normally seen that they're this far inland. So that was, an, I guess it was an unusual, interesting I, sighting. Not a rare bird, but in a, a, an odd sighting for, for it to be so inland. At that time, yeah. I think um, it had something to do with the wind pattern. So I it was too. like the thermal of the southeast wind was lower, so mm-hmm. it kind of pushed them in. And it was flying right in the thermal with all the vultures, which is interesting <laughs> to see. And then Osprey went up there. I'm like, mm, look mm-hmm. at this. Look at this odd group up here. But it was well, you mentioned the vultures who that come every year, every winter. Um, tell us a little bit about those type of birds that, that migrate here. Just the different species that migrate. Yeah, yeah. Mm, a lot of times, I'm not. She might be no better mm. about songbirds. That's not my specialty. Okay. But the what are the most common ones that travel down in are, winter? Are you asking for about vultures, or were you asking about? Well, birds that was one one example that I've noticed, and they're in my neighborhood a lot. They're maybe too- because of the people dying all the time. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> um, we, the black vulture and the turkey vulture, and, and turkey vultures, everywhere. and the turkey and they come vulture, from New Jersey. I understand, yeah. like all the rest of our visitors. Well, they, there is a there is a regional migration. They come up and down a bit, go north and south. But some of the black vultures that I that I'm aware of are here most, yeah. most yeah, of the yeah. time. Mm-hmm. So. Right. Folks mm-hmm. may see a little more or a little less, but they too must forage. So mm-hmm. a group might be perching at your neighborhood for a couple months and then yeah. find somewhere better yeah. to get breakfast and yeah. move on. Mm-hmm. I've heard that they 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 look for the highest point in an area. They do. So there are we see certain them on trees. your radio towers too. Well, mm-hmm. yes. Oh yeah, and, they do. And like there's a uh, Southern Bell Tower at the end of my street that they all live on, and they apparently they commute between that and the landfill all day long that's that's common in some of our preserves i have noticed that they pick the tallest of the slash pine trees and that's where they roost and that's where they also rest or loaf Mm -hmm. and so that gives them a very clear view of anything moving down below or not moving down below that they could be investigating (laughs) yeah Yeah. are the species changing over time are we getting new ones coming here or and we get new insects and new pests all the time (laughs) do we get new birds I have not noticed yet a difference in any any bird species that's coming up from the south because that's where it would come from. Mm-hmm. In in my experience, yeah. it would be coming up from the south, not coming down from the north. We do see that the apparent lines of where people expect to see certain things are changing and moving around more. For example, where people were seeing purple martins seems to be becoming much more fluid now. Mm. But I've I've not. Have you noticed? I've not noticed I anything. I have noticed there's specific species of birds that are tending and adapting to live right. more urban. So yes. everyone tells me that sandhill cranes, which that's always a, a community mm. favorite these yeah. days. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, there's two sandhill cranes in my front yard. 
typically used to never see them in urban areas mm. and they've learned to adapt oh, and yeah. I, mm. due to this i think mm-hmm. they're doing much better mm-hmm. i mean now you'll see them in every kind of drainage ditch and the yeah. same with wood storks i mean they're even a yeah. listed species mm-hmm. and people would say that they never saw them the wood storks are the ones that have the the white bodies and the brown heads right, and they're yeah. so ugly that are, <laughs> they're are cute you, are you noticing too because we have found in saint lucie that we fa- see the glossy ibis and also um, limpkins, yeah. far more in urban areas and in drainage ditches and retention ponds than, than ever before. And people mm. continuously say, what's the big brown-looking ibis? They're seeing a limpkin. Mm-hmm. And they've not ever mm-hmm. seen that, so they don't know what that is. Are you also noticing yeah. Yeah. we see them coming in much closer than they ever used they're to? They're very timid, aren't they? Well, am I wrong now? They'll hide. They have a very identifiable call. It almost sounds like a scream, like a, a mm. baby screaming. Mm-hmm. So I've actually heard of people calling the police when they heard <laughs> Lipkins calling because yeah. they thought it was an emergency. Uh, I, and you don't know. I mean, the development is pushing west, too. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it could be that they're becoming adaptable. But, it, it, you know, at the same time, their habitat is getting developed. So they don't have mm. a choice. They either right. adapt or they don't make it. So that's what, there could be but two the different particular things. birds that lived in uh, citrus groves, for instance, which are no no longer with us. Mm-hmm. Have we lost birds because of that? I don't know if there's specific ones to citrus groves per se. I don't. I don't either. But I mean, it's still a wild area. Anytime mm-hmm. you turn any kind of green area into buildings, it affects any kind of wildlife. Well, so. it's, yeah. that, that's what I was going to say as well. When the habitat was converted from a wild, from an ecosystem habitat area into a citrus grove, that would have already changed yeah. the differential of what's there. And mm-hmm. then from that to, as you just described, into an urban or suburban area, it'll change it again. So, mm-hmm. I, But I'm not familiar with any birds that specific, were there in yeah. a specific okay. yeah. to our citrus grove. Well, the growth is changing life for all of us, isn't it? I mean, uh, you know, houses and stuff. If I'm a beginning bird and I'm listening to this, what are some of the top tips that you have to make my experience more fruitful? They're looking at each other. <laughs> well, well, I want Ashley to have an opportunity to give her experiences uh, relative to every... She's actually a biologist, and so her her way of learning about and seeing things can be really helpful and insightful for people who are learning about new um, mm-hmm. new species and things. My own experience, one of the the biggest things that aids people is to get in contact with your local Audubon societies or local birding clubs. They don't necessarily are associated with the National Audubon Society. They may be independent birding clubs. Mm -hmm. That's one big way to do that. All three counties, Indian River, St. Lucie, and Martin, have chapters of National Audubon Society. So in Indian River, you would go to the Pelican Island um, chapter in St. Lucie, we have a St. Lucie chapter, and in Martin County, it's Audubon of Martin County. So all three of them are available, and they do have programs that are open to the public, and they're usually cost-free. Mm-hmm. So that's one way to, first of all, get to know birders, get to know sites and where they go, and then the best times of the year, the best times of the day and night. Right. That's one big thing I would say. Another way to do that is to go with St. Lucie County Environmental Resources Department, as the department offers something um, it's called the Guided Nature Programs, and many of the programs on there are essentially birding or learning about birds and learning about bird habitats. Those are all free of cost as well, and they're all open to the public. Okay. And are there different levels of uh, novice? We do give descriptions in there so that people who are really very familiar and want to go for longer, more 
um, arduous and strenuous trips to see more species. And it's in the description, so they'll be able to pick pretty easily from whether it's very, very short, light program to introduce them or mm. whether it's a long trip where they're taken into uh, less accessible places to possibly see more species. So it'll be in the descriptions for them to be able to pick and choose which ones appeal to them. Okay. Yeah. Ashley, some uh, tips for beginning birders from you as a biologist. If you're just starting out in birding, um, it can be a little daunting. There's a lot of birds, and mm. some are big, some are small. They move very fast. I recommend just getting a bird feeder. Put it outside of your house. Get, um, Be patient. Get a pair of binoculars. You don't have to buy a $500 pair. You can get a good pair of binoculars for $60, $70, and just look and watch. And then you could also buy a bird guide, which Sibley Bird Guide is one I always recommend. And then there's a number of different apps now. You can get the Merlin app, the eBird app, and Merlin has a really cool feature that you can use Sound ID. So you could just sit on your back porch with your app open mm -hmm. <laughs> and it will ID the birds based off the calls. But when you're doing this, you have to be mindful. It is technology. It there is errors so you need to double check what it says and and take pictures or visually identify the bird yourself and if you know i always recommend just getting out into natural areas go for a hike just see what you can identify the only way you're going to get better at it is practice just with everything else um it just takes time to learn the different flight patterns the different markings of mm. birds of course wading birds are easier because they're much larger uh, if you're in Indian River County, uh, you could go to North Sebastian Conservation Area. It's easily accessible right in Sebastian off Main Street. Um, it's sugar sand scrub. It's oak scrub, so it's really easy to walk through. I mean, the sand is a little hard, but we call it Florida snow. But it, it's enjoyable, <laughs> and um, it's open. It's um, There's a lot of different species you'll see there. The primary one is Florida scrub jays, like I mentioned, but we did a public bird hike just yesterday and we saw 32 species of birds, which was really great, mm. you know? And and if you, if you want to find guided hikes, there's a ton of options through Audubon, as Eva mentioned. And then the county also yeah. offers lectures and guided hikes. And then if you wanna go further out west, you can go to the St. Sebastian Preserve State Park, which is absolutely stunning. It has some of the nicest flatwoods in the whole state, I think. And you might get the chance to see an endangered red cockaded woodpecker. That's probably mm. one of the areas in the whole state where they're the most common. Uh, you can look for the little boxes and the cavities and the trees. Mm. That's really neat. And then if you're out that way, you could also go to TM Goodwin Wild uh, Wildlife Management Area. And they have... That's outside of, so right at the county line. So instead of turning left to go into the state park, you would turn right and mm. go down the, out to Felsmere Water Conservation Area, I think it's called. And it's just a levee. It's a couple mm -hmm. miles and it goes out to a parking lot. And there's actually a giant uh, roseate spoonbill nesting habitat right there. So in, in the winter, you could see the beautiful pink spoonbills. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to hike 20 miles or right. go into the epitome of the forest to see birds. I mean, they're everywhere. You just have to take the time to look for them and identify them and use the resources that are available to you. Okay. 
There is one thing I'd like to add, and it's it's a way for people to get accustomed quickly. Most of the Audubon chapters have what's called a bird checklist, and these are a compiled list of known birds within each specific county. Right. Most of the chapters have those. I know that the St. Lucie Audubon does, and I believe Audubon of Martin County does, and probably Pelican Island um, Audubon Society as well. And what that enables someone to do is download that list, and instead of looking through your entire field guide of birds, it's like a cheat sheet. Yeah. It's a cheat sheet <laughs> yeah. to get exactly what's in, known to be mm-hmm. in that specific county, and it, it helps people uh, correlate what's in the guide with what's in the so-called cheat sheet or the checklist, so mm-hmm. that you're not flipping through what's brown and white and moves really, really quickly. You have a, a, a much better <laughs> idea of what you probably are seeing, as opposed to what actually all might be there that you don't really know about yet. Right. So there's that, but also the some of the beautiful state parks, like Jonathan Dickinson State Park mm-hmm. and Savannah's Preserve State Park, both of them, ironically, mm-hmm. have scrub jays as well. They have a multiple yeah. uh, different types of habitat. Some have wetland areas. Most of them have scrubs, and then they also have piney flatwoods. So and these are I really... know they're reintroducing red cockaded woodpeckers mm-hmm. into Jonathan Dickinson mm-hmm. State Park, too, which is really interesting. And they also have really well-managed flatwoods. Mm-hmm. So in addition to the birds, it's not just birds. You, you get to learn the different habitats of Florida exactly. and really appreciate it. Right. And if you're out there, you're going to see more than birds. I mean, mm-hmm. you see butterflies, yeah. insects, and mammals. Wildflowers. All... Yeah, yeah, wildflowers, <laughs> learning yeah. some native plants. So both of you, tell us how to get involved, starting with you, Eva. Depending for, a, on, for a complete novice. If you want to come to the Treasure Coast as a visitor, or even if you or live visitor, here in yeah. the Treasure Coast and you maybe you're new or you haven't had time, but now you do, one of the easiest things to do is, first of all, go to the county's Environmental Resources Department and look to see what programs they offer in terms of wildlife viewing, um, guided nature programs, anything like that. And I believe all three counties have them. I know St. Lucie County does and Indian River does, and I believe Martin County is beginning up theirs as well. Go to the state parks. They often have guided walks too through staff and through volunteers, and then go to the uh, National Audubon Society chapters in each county because they also do guided programs that are open to the public as well as to chapter members. You can always go by yourself. And another thing that I want to recommend, that, and I used to teach people about this, is to go to your botanical gardens. Mm. If you have a membership to a botanical garden and maybe you have limited ability to walk or move, that it, uh, it, that's a wonderful, safe uh beautiful area Mm -hmm. they often have paved areas where if you are mobility challenged even temporarily it's a good area to go because you can see birds where you can stop look and listen and enjoy the scenery okay good um let's talk about a couple of uh specific uh either areas or dates or that sort of thing the christmas bird count um what's it for when does it happen I think yeah. that that is the longest running citizen science program. 124 yeah. years this wow. year. Yeah. And mm. it originated is as essentially as a protest to the killing of water birds mostly mm-hmm. to be used in um, fashion essentially yes. it was yeah. women's hats specifically mm-hmm. and in, and there was also a tradition of on Christmas day going out and shooting wildlife to to essentially chest test and challenge somebody's marksmanship and so well that's it, how you would id the birds you would shoot them right instead of and just, so yeah. in it in, like audubon al- <laughs> yeah as, <Yes. laughs> as an alternative to doing that there were several women who really were moving forward and rejecting some of the wildlife heavy and intense fashion trends and mm-hmm. they stated that their objective 
along with Frank Chapman of, of the beginnings of the Audubon Society, stated that it would be better to go and count and do it as a group and note instead of just eliminating the wildlife as a test of marksmanship or for fashion or anything else. Yeah. And Florida was actually ground zero because most of that killing was happening here. Right. And yeah. so Florida was actually had a, a really great opportunity because it jumped forward in asking for and getting legislation to protect those birds and then having the first warden, Paul Krogel, mm-hmm. um, going to Pelican Island with armed with a shotgun and chasing out the last of the of the plume hunters. Okay. So Florida yeah. is essentially really at the ground zero. Of we are ground mm-hmm. zero, right? Yeah. And the and the yeah. first national wildlife refuge in the world was here as well. Right. So Indian River County has that wonderful history, and it has also the national wildlife refuge that people can visit. That's a really wonderful place, and that is how the Christmas bird count originated. It was for reasons like that and about that is to move from one activity to a more and it's endured for 124 years now and people enjoy counting and doing it and some people are not aware that it had a a, a less wonderful Beginning, origination yeah. but mm-hmm. what it's turned into now is really wonderful because better, it draws in yeah. all generations of people people from near and far people who lived in america and you know their generations or people who are coming to and finding this wonderful activity available to them mm-hmm. so it's really brought people together and to, to get involved, each county has its own chairperson, mm. and there's different routes across the whole county. I mean, these have been the historical routes for, I don't know, full 124 years. It's the same routes, but it's very similar. And some of them are through residential areas. I mean, so mm. you would contact that um, chairperson, and then they would put you with a team. There's teams that have been doing this for a very long time, incredibly experienced birders, the ones that you go out with, and you're just amazed, and you just stand there in awe. But that's how you learn. <laughs> because they are happy to teach you. It's their passion, and uh, they want to share it with others and get people involved. So if you contact them, they'll put you on a team, and then there's one specific day per different county that they do this bird okay, count. Right. So I think December 16th is Brevard County, and December 30th is Indian River County, and I'm not too sure about St. Lucie. St. Lucie is going to be, I believe, also the 16th. Uh, we so are it's also, just before Christmas. Right. Yeah. yeah. It, it was historically on Christmas, but of mm-hmm. course not anymore. It had to move around a little bit, and it's expanded through a month period, as, as Ashley was saying. And one thing that I would say to birders is if you want to participate in the Christmas bird count, do not feel at all as if you have to be able to identify the birds to go out (laughs) with a team. That's not really the point. The point is for you to be able to participate and learn as you go. And there, as Ashley said, the experienced team members are very, very happy to have new people, new birders with them because they know you'll learn as you go. So please don't feel intimidated as as though you have to know which birds are to participate on a team. That's definitely not the case. So we in, encourage and welcome you to do that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Ashley, tell us about the Great Florida Birding Trail. So that is a program managed by FWC. Um, you've probably driven by the signs tons mm-hmm. of times. It's the yeah. little brown signs that you'll see on the side of the road. Uh, you can register a natural area to be on the Great Florida Birding Trail. Indian River County just registered a new one, Oyster Bar Marsh, recently. Um, these are nature area, natural areas that have been known to have a diversity of birds. So that's a great place to start. You could go to the Great Florida Birding Trail website, look at the different sites and map out a couple hikes. Okay. I think we're out of time. Um, I'd like to thank everybody involved here. Eva Riz and Ashley Lingwood, our experts today. Thank you. Very 
clear explanation. And we'd like a special thank, give a special thank you to our partner, Indian River State College, for allowing us to record the podcast at their studios in Fort Pierce. Thanks, everybody. Um, as for you listening, please like us, follow us uh, on the podcast. Write us, give us a review if you like it, and give us some suggestions, maybe things we've not thought of. But uh, we hope you enjoy it, and we hope you enjoy the episodes to come, which have very little to do with birds, I think. Anyway, everything else on the Treasure Coast. So, thank you, and uh, remember, don't come here unless you want to have some fun and some interesting information. Thanks a lot.